Welcome to Transformation Church RVA. This sermon is a part of the series, Our Prayer. From the value and purpose of life to racial reconciliation, this series serves as a compass to our lives to reorient our hearts and minds around scripture, prayer, and the heart of God. So, I need to tell you the next person you're going to get to meet today, and I'll tell you how I met him. Uh, one of our vehicles up to uh, M40 Automotive. I don't know if you've ever heard of M40. I'll give you a little plug. M40 Automotive is a not-for-profit not automotive care uh, run by Dennis Green, uh, who used to be the executive pastor um, at Ironbridge Baptist. And he now runs this M40 Automotive that helps... Um, it's, it's discounted. You can get really great service at a great cost there, and it goes to help people who have car needs. Um, they used to give away cars, and they have a similar model now. They're basically giving away cars uh, to people who have need of cars, so M40 Automotive. Anyway, I took our church vehicle up there to him, and I was telling him about the hotel ministry that we were involved in and needing more and more recovery um, partners. We need more re recovery partners. He said, man, I know a guy. I know a guy who, who's in this space, um, and he is uh, the kind of director of men's residential recovery here at Celebration Church, where they were housed. And so he walks me over into Celebration Church, and I get to meet Jeff. Um, Jeff Martin um, has been a church planner, he has done graphic design. He's, 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 that's where his training is in. Then he planted a church, and he's worked at Ironbridge Baptist as well on staff there, um, and most recently was at Celebration Church directing their men's residential recovery. And now he is the founder, co-founder, I think you have another founder as well, um, of Mino, uh, which is a recovery program based out in Amelia. And so I met Jeff. We decided we wanted to grab lunch, so we grabbed lunch at Chicken Fiesta. And, you know, I haven't known Jeff very long, but one thing I picked up on right away is, one, his heart for mission, okay? A guy who's, who's just got a heart to be um, in the thick of it, okay? I'm not talking about sitting in the pews like we're doing right now. I'm talking in the thick of it. But if there's a guy that is for discipleship and community, I've never met a guy who understands and believes in the transformative power that community has in the lives of individuals. So I'll let him tell you more about Mino. Um, but on the Sunday, because uh, we're in week four, I think this is week four of our prayer series, this is Mission Sunday and the mission that God planted in Jeff's heart is something I wanted you to hear about. And so would you uh, give a warm Transformation Church welcome to Jeff Martin? Well, thanks for uh, inviting me. Some of you didn't know you invited me, but uh, now, you, now you do. And uh, thanks Thanks for that. Um, I had somebody before I, uh, I met before service, and they said, you know, the reason they're here is because of uh, Pastor Carl's great preaching. And so I, it's even more of a sacrifice you're making. You know, you have a great preacher, and now you have to 
to uh, listen to me for a little bit, but um, excited. It's excited about what God is doing. Um, first, let me, just, let me just introduce myself a little bit, give you a little bit of who I am. Uh, I, I've learned over the years that, that at the end of the day, uh, you're, you know, if you don't know someone speaking, um, you spend the whole time trying to figure out if you want to pay attention to what they're saying. Because you're trying to figure out who they are, where they're coming from. Can I, can I trust them? And, uh, you know, I can't really accomplish that, but I can give you some, 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 some help maybe in that. My wife and I, we moved here to Richmond in 1997. And we moved here to start a church. We moved from Harrisonburg, Virginia, up in the Shenandoah Valley, to the big city of Richmond. And uh, uh, we started a church, and uh, we pastored that church for 18 years. Uh, we handed that church off to uh, another pastor, and uh, I... I accepted an invitation to go to Ironbridge Baptist at that point and uh, be their small groups pastor. They wanted to start small groups and uh, kind of, you know, expand their Sunday school program and, and do some different things. And so, so I, you know, they wanted to create a culture, they said, of connection. And uh, that's right up my alley. Like you, you just said, I, I'm all about uh, people connecting with one another. And, and uh, so for three years, I, I served there. And it, it was amazing. I, it was a wonderful team. And uh, that's where I met Dennis Green. He was the executive pastor there. And, uh, and, and we created a culture of connection there, there at Ironbridge, Ironbridge Baptist. To, and, uh, you know, I check in every once in a while, and they're still going. I mean, they're still, they're still doing, doing small group life together, and, uh, and God's continuing to minister through. In fact, I went to a small group that, that uh, uh, we were a part of. Uh, helping uh, a number of years ago, I went to their Christmas party just the other the other day, and uh, it's just awesome connecting up again and uh, and seeing them. So so was there for a little bit. Love love that. And while I was there, one one morning I got a, a call from a pastor friend of mine, and he said, "Hey, I, I have an opportunity for you. Would you would you, I don't even know if you would consider it, but would you consider uh, a position where you're the director of men's residential recovery uh, at at Celebration Church?" And uh, I was like, wow. And, and he said, before you decide, you, you need to understand, here's what it pays, which wasn't a whole lot, and here's where you're going to have to live, which we loved our house. We were living in Chester. We loved that. And the short, short version is we said yes to that. And by the way, my wife Beth is here. Um, uh, she's a blessing in, in my life, and she's gotten to do a lot of things she never really would have wanted to do, maybe, uh, as a result of being married to me. But... Uh, uh, but she's the one that makes things work, really. Um, so we said yes to that. And so we moved up to Hanover County, and we lived on a property there with uh, sometimes up to 20 other guys, uh, all, all of whom were battling addiction. They got stuck. They gotten trapped, you know, uh, and they, they didn't really have a way, a way out. And, um, and so we were there ministering ministering to those those men we would you know, we'd have them over for thanksgiving dinner we'd you know we'd we just live in life together every morning uh i'd go we'd have devotions together and and then we would work together and i'll talk a little bit about that um by the way what am i supposed to be done is there like well i'll just pay if if, if you're done just start to yawn or something and i'll, I'll just i'll just bring it to an end all right so uh, um <clears throat> So, 
while there, that was on-the-job training for me. I had been a part, our church had been a part for years of going, like you're going to uh, a mission, you're doing a mission, a mission outreach in Memphis, is that right, at some point? You know, we would, we would go on these mission trips uh, as a church at different points, you know, annually, sometimes more than annually, and one of the places we would go was over in uh, Birmingham, England. And they had a ministry there where they brought men and women into community together who were struggling with alcohol and drug addiction. And, and they would provide the meaningful work in the atmosphere of living together, living life together, and all in the atmosphere of Jesus in his presence. And, and we would go into that place and we'd have a project like we would go to build out a, 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 an apartment for a, a leader. Or we would go and we'd help, help them renovate a space or or whatever, but we would get to live alongside these men and these women while we were there, and, and you would see how God was transforming lives. You'd hear their stories, and you'd hear what God was doing, and so I'd always come back from those weeks just pumped up, just like, what are we doing? And I, I, would, I would say things to my friends like, you know, how do we expect to follow Jesus well, just meeting once, once, a, once a week on Sunday morning? We got to live together. We got to do life together, and, and they would go, Okay, yeah, I got it, you know, and, and uh, you know, we would talk, and, and but that, that always just kind of kept beating in my heart. Like, how can, we, how can we follow Jesus well together? And over time, I think I, I sort of moved into a place of going, I don't think it's possible to follow Jesus well by yourself. You see, Jesus is the head of a body, and his body has more than one part. I mean, when you stop and think about it, what if your body just had an eyeball? It'd be, it would be disgusting and gross to just see an eyeball. But man, a set of blue eyes set in sockets, a face, arms, legs, a body, Whew. it's beautiful. And that's the way the body of Christ is on our own. I honestly think on our own, we kind of look gross. <laughs> we try our best, but it isn't until we get plugged in and connected with others that we begin to shine like the light we were singing about. Uh, the world begins to take notice. Because see, You see, uh, I would guarantee you, this group of people here in this room, uh, except that you have Jesus in common, you probably wouldn't really be hanging together. And see, the world looks at that and they go, that, that group doesn't make sense. What's going on there? They all seem to kind of like each other for the most part. They all seem to, you know, they work through their differences. They engage in conflict well. Whatever it is, that we, together we shine. And the world begins to take note. And the world begins to go, huh, maybe I might consider being a part of something like that. And so so that, that, that's always beat in my heart. And that's just continued to grow over the years. And I believe it now more than ever. And, and so... As I was at Celebration, I began to talk with uh, my partner in, in crime here of Mino. We began to talk and dream about what would it look like to do a, a, a residential program for those that are struggling with addiction uh, in a rural setting uh, where we help them engage in, in meaningful work and, and we, we help them engage in a, an authentic, accountable family, a community, and it's all, it's all wrapped up and blanketed in the, the presence of God, the kind of presence we were talking about where in the middle of a storm, you know, the presence of God, Jesus just goes, Shh, 
what if, what if we were able to do something like that? We were dreaming about different things, and, and, um, and then the pandemic began, hit. Now, I, I know it was a rough year, but you know, in the middle of storms, God does stuff. See, we started a nonprofit in 2020. I'll look back on 2020, and I'll go, that was a good year. Jesus says, uh, if you, there we go, if you abide in me and my word abides in you, it's, it's actually in the Greek, it's if you meno in me and my word meno's in you, ask for whatever you wish and it'll be done. So it means to stay in place. It means to, to abide in Christ. What's that mean? It means to stay in place with Christ. That's the hard work of faith right there. To stay in place with Christ. It means to stand against opposition. How many of you know that when you stand in place with Christ, there is opposition to Christ? And uh, if you're with Christ, whatever is opposing him, sorry, it's opposing you if you stay with him. So it means to stay in place, to stand against opposition. It means to stay still. You see, our God's a God of peace. And you have to fight for peace. (laughs) <laughs> doesn't make sense, does it? You have to fight for peace. You have to lay hold of it. So this word mino means I will stay still. Everybody's yelling and shouting at me. I'm going to stay still. How many of you know it's hard to stay still? I mean, just, just turn on the news. <laughs> you know, it, it doesn't even matter what your political persuasion is. Uh, there is difficulty in staying still. Things start to, to, get, to, get stirred, to get stirred up. I don't like to get still because of what starts to come to the surface. You know, I, I, I get still, and the still, small voice of the Holy Spirit begins to be heard. God's always speaking. We just don't always hear him because we're not still. But when we get still, here it comes. Hey, Jeff, you need to get that right with your wife. I didn't want to hear that. I better get busy. <laughs> you know, Jeff, you're anxious about this. Anxiety and worry are rampant in our culture right now. What's going to happen next? I don't know. Fear. We don't want to be still because we don't want to think about all that. So, mino, to stay in place, to stand against opposition, to stay still, and finally it means to endure, to endure. You see, my prayer for my life and for you is that in the end, on that day, we will be standing still. And we'll be standing with Jesus, and we'll hear, well done, well done. So Mino, a Mino life is a a life where we stay in place, we stay with Christ, we stand against opposition, we stay still, we endure. Let's read John 15, starting verse 4. It says, and I'm going to substitute abide or remain with Mino, okay? Because I want want to drive this word into your brain so you leave here knowing a Greek word. Uh, Mino. So John 15, verse 4, these are the words of Jesus. and, And by the way, these are some of his last words. To his, to his disciples, his, his crew. And he's saying, this is important. You need to know this because I'm getting ready to, to die. 
This is it. I want you to know this. Get it in you. Remember it. Don't ever forget it. And so he says, listen, Mino in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it minos in the vine, neither can you unless you mino in me. He says, I am the vine, you're the branches. Whoever minos in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. So if anyone does not mino in me, he's thrown away like a branch and withers. And the branches are gathered, thrown into the fire, and burned. But if you mino in me, and my words mino in you, ask me for whatever you wish, and it will be done. Can that even be true? Whatever you wish? I believe it is. See, by this, my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit. Do you believe that God wants you to bear much fruit? This church to bear much fruit? You individually to bear much fruit? Why? The reason you can believe that is because that's how he gets glory. That's, that's how his name is made famous, is when your life bears, bears much fruit. So prove to be my disciple. So as the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Me know in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will me know in my love. Just as I've, just as I've kept my Father's commandments and me know in his love. These things I've spoken to you that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. Word spoken by Jesus. Really just hours before he died. So, what does a mean of life mean? An abiding life, a remaining in Jesus life. What does it, what does it mean? So, a mean of life, number one, it requires dying. It requires dying. John 12, 24 says, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the ground and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it bears much fruit. How many of you know that doesn't make sense? In my book, if a, if a grain of wheat falls in the ground, it's alone. Jesus says, oh, it's not alone. Unless it falls in the ground, it will be alone. I read that and I go, no, nah, one, one grain of wheat in the ground, covered over, that seed is alone. Jesus says, no, it's not. He says, whoever loses his life, whoever, whoever loves his life loses it, and whoever hates his life in this world will keep it for eternal life. If anyone serves me, he must follow me. Where I am, there will my servant be also. If anyone serves me, the Father will honor, honor him. Amino life. Where you abide in Christ is going to require that you die. It's going to require that you surrender. We sang that. <laughs> I love it when God kind of says everything that you're going to say before you even get here. Uh, it's just kind of a confirmation, affirmation. Uh, amino life requires that you die and that you surrender. You know, I learned early on when I was at Celebration that when a, a person came into our program, because they knew we were a faith-based program, 
you know, if you ask them, hey, do you, do you have a relationship with Jesus? Do you love Jesus? You know what they would say? Yeah, absolutely. That's what you want, right? It's what we're supposed to do at Celebration Residential Recovery, right? Yeah, I love Jesus. And in fact, when you break it down a little bit, anyone who says they don't love Jesus is, is you're crazy. If you read who Jesus is, I mean, he's amazing. I mean, it's great. So love Jesus. I began to think that through a little, and I go, but, you, but yet you love Jesus, and yet here you are. It's not working, is it? Something's not connecting. And so I changed what I asked. I, I, I started to ask, I said, have you surrendered control of your life to Jesus? And I remember one, one uh, young man, he's about 22 years old, and part of my job was I would ride, I would drive the thrift store truck that would go and pick up the stuff you wanted to give away, and I would take with me two or three of our residents. And so I, I had an opportunity to talk a lot on those, on those rides. And so, so on one of those rides, I remember this one 22-year-old, um, and, um, and I asked him, I said, hey, <clears throat> let me ask you a question. Uh, when Jesus came, he said, the kingdom of God is at hand. It says he came to preach the gospel, which is the good news. And after, when he, the good news was that the kingdom of God is at hand and that if you want to, you can enter into it. I'm opening the door. You can come in and, and enter into my kingdom, the kingdom of God. So I asked this, this young man, I said, hey, have you ever surrendered control of your life to Jesus? I said, so here's, here's the situation. Right now, you're the king of your little kingdom called me. You control everything in your little kingdom. You control when you get up, when you go to bed. You, you, you control what you eat, what you don't eat. You control whether you use drugs, whether you drink alcohol. You control everything in your little kingdom. You call the shots. I said, here's the invitation from God. He's saying, if you want to, you can leave your little kingdom of me where you're in control and step into my huge kingdom that's ever-expanding where I'm the king and I'm in control. Would you like to come in? <laughs> and I said, understanding that, have you ever surrendered your life to Jesus? And, uh, and this young man, he said to me, uh, you know, I've never really thought about it like that. Uh, and the truth is, I don't want to do that. I'm good with my own little kingdom right now. I said, all right, it's fine. Two weeks later, I'm on the truck again with him. And I say, hey, about that surrendering control conversation, what do you think? He says, well, I think I've done it. I think I've surrendered. And then he said, then he said how would I know? I said, well, did you talk to Jesus and say, I surrender control of my life to you? Yeah. Well, then you've done it. And that young man's life began to change. And I don't know how to explain it. Really, it's hard to explain how a person changes in, in the kingdom of God, but you know it happens. You, your life has changed. And, and this young man who, who came into our program because he was, he was addicted to heroin, uh, he began to change. And he began to to. to to experience God in his life. He began to read, read the Bible in a, in a way, I don't even think he read it before. And uh, the process began. Uh, a month or so later, 
I arrived at one of the thrift stores, and the same young man, uh, I meet him, I'm unloading the truck, and, and he comes, and he says, he says, Pastor Jeff, uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to punch somebody. He said, I'm so mad, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to hit somebody. That's bad in our program, because if you hit somebody, we, you have to leave. Uh, we have a zero hitting people policy. <laughs> um, and so I grabbed another guy, another resident. We, we gathered around, and we prayed. And I asked God to give uh, this young man what he needed to not hit somebody. Because I didn't want him to leave. God was doing something in him. But I left. I, didn't, I, I thought he's going to hit somebody. <laughs> and I got back that night to the house. And I went over to where, where his bed was. And I went over and said, Anybody, where's he at? And I found him, and he's up in his bed, and he was, writing, he was writing a letter to his dad, which that's sort of a miracle in itself. I mean, so he was dealing with some things that were coming up as he began to get more and more still. Um, and finally, at the end of the conversation, I just said, so what about, I mean, you were pretty angry this afternoon. What, what happened? He said, oh, well, after we prayed, it all just went away. I was fine. incredible you see when you're on mission and you're living your life with other people you see God begin to answer prayer he's always answering prayer we just don't see it but when you get in situations with one another and you just have to you just you just do what you can do see I couldn't do anything to keep him from hitting somebody all I could do was say God of peace would you come and would you be with him while I leave? But the truth is, I didn't even have much faith for that because I left thinking, oh, he's going to hit somebody. But God touched the man. To this day, he's following Jesus fine. Well, I don't know. I think he's following Jesus fine. I know he's, he's not using drugs right now. And I talked to him about a month ago. And he's, he's on his journey. Um, it involves not, see, surrender, he had to surrender. If he didn't surrender, nothing was going to happen any different. You know, we would say often, you know, you, you know exactly how to do everything you need to do to get to where you are right now. Do you want to do something different? And in the beginning, everybody wants to do something different until it means you're going to actually have to do something different. You know, we know that as churches, you know, you know, I'm sure Pastor Cross asks you to every once in a while to do something different. Uh, and we're all on board until it actually means we have to do something different. I mean, we're all like that. We like what we like. Um, Jesus comes along and disrupts things. You know, you see, someone who's addicted to something, they've reached a place where they're willing to do something different. You see, they've stolen from their parents who love them like no one else. They've, uh, they've done things. They've just cut off every other relationship they had. Uh, they don't have anywhere else to go. And so when they sat with me and they say, I want to come into your program, they are telling me the absolute truth. They want to do something different. The only problem is a week later, they find out that different means different. And they can't do what they want to do. They can't do it the way. 
And that's where the rubber hits the road. And that's the way it is for all our lives. Uh, living, living a mean life requires that we die, that we surrender. Living a mean life means that you have to transition into the kingdom of God, out of your own little kingdom, into his kingdom. A mean life means that you see through a different lens. It means, it means that we don't, we don't see people according to the flesh. We see them according to the spirit. I had this thought one day. In 2 Corinthians, it says that we no longer see according to the flesh. And it says we once, we once saw Jesus according to the flesh. And what happened to Jesus? Got killed. And see, that's what we do to one another when we see one another according to the flesh. We don't, we don't typically just flat out kill them but we uh, think poorly of them. We say, you know, sure, I'm glad I'm not you. You know, I know you want to be free, but uh, good luck. But think, what's hap- think what would happen when you start to see through a different lens, the eyes of faith. What if you began to see one another as they were created to be? That would be something, wouldn't it? As God created each person here to be. See, there's an ability we have as the body of Christ, as followers of Christ, to see not as we are, but as we are meant to be. And when you do that, we begin to call things out of people that, that, that are there, they just don't know yet. So amino life is a life where you don't, get, you don't get to judge and see people according to the flesh. You have to follow Christ and see them according to the eyes of faith. Amino life is meant to be fruitful. Uh, one of my all-time favorite scriptures is Psalm 40, 1, 2, and 3. It says, I waited patiently for the Lord, and he turned to me, and he heard my cry. He lifted me out of a slimy pit, out of the muck, out of the mire, and he set my feet on a rock. He gave me a firm place to stand, and he put a new song in my mouth, and then it says this, and many will see and fear and put their trust in the Lord. You see, your life is meant to be something that causes many to see and fear and put their trust in the Lord. It it doesn't matter to me what you do uh, as a job. Give yourself to that job. Work at that job. I, I don't know. It doesn't even matter what you're good at, what you're skilled at. Doesn't, give yourself to that stuff. Do it, but understand this. It's meant to cause many to see and fear and put their trust in the Lord. You doing what you're called to do is meant to cause many. By What did I say in the beginning? By much fruit is the Father glorified. You're meant, don't, don't ever think that you're just little old me who, you know, I just, I just do this. I don't have much impact. Yeah, you have huge impact. It goes further than you ever dream or imagine. You're created for many. Amino life will change your mind. Um, Philippians 2 says, have the mind of Christ. Who didn't consider being the creator of the universe something he had to hang on to. That scripture says he emptied himself. Laid it all down. My picture is he took off all his God stuff laid it over here, and said, all right, I'll be born a baby. Depending on somebody to change me, feed me. I mean, you get your mind around that. The creator of the universe. Dependent. On something he created. It's crazy. Same for us. You know, we, we, need, to, we need to empty ourselves of all our... And understand that a surrendered, humble person who's willing to fall on the ground and die will in the end bear much fruit. 
bear much fruit. Um, Romans 12, 2 says, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. You know, I, I don't want to think like this world thinks, tit for tat. You know, you do something to me, I'll do something to you. I want to I blow this world away with a, a different way of thinking that can't, that can't be argued against. Um, and then the last thing I want to say this morning is a mean of life is where righteousness, peace, and joy are found. Um, while I was at Celebration Church, I, I finished my master's in addiction counseling. And one of the things that was really helpful was I got to put into practice what I was learning. And one of the things I was learning is that with, with the ability to image and map the brain, uh, we're learning that a lot of the truths we read about in Scripture are actually true. Uh, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. You can actually renew your mind. Did you know that if you're habitually going this way, you can train your mind to habitually go a different way? You know, our brains are plastic. They can be changed. Paul said that, that clear, Romans 12, 2. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And so what we're learning, too, and what, I, what I've noticed is that the joy of the Lord is your strength. So, so here, here's how this works. When you come into a group and they're glad that you are there and they light up when you come into that group, that feeling you have is called joy. I belong. See, that's why it's important to not be alone. Because, see, joy gets released when we come into a group. When an eyeball comes into the body, and it's like, oh, I'm glad you're here. Now we can see. Well, that eyeball begins to go, whoa, I'm glad I'm here. That's called joy. That's, that's joy. And uh, when you come to Jesus and surrender to him, and you say, I want to be a part of your kingdom, it says that the angels celebrate. They get excited. They're glad that you're in the kingdom. And when that happens, when you begin to actually believe that God smiles when he sees you, when you bring all your stuff, we were singing this morning, we bring the stuff we don't want to talk about, don't want anybody to see, and somehow we get the courage to go, light, let light shine. And we're going, we're going what's going to happen now? This is disgusting. I, and instead you get, come on in here. I'm so glad you're coming. I'm glad that you're opening yourself up to me. When that happens, that's called, that's called joy. When I come home at night and Beth goes, man, I'm glad you're here. Joy. It's like I belong. We are created by God to want to be a source of joy to others. When we come into their presence, when they light up, that's called, that's called joy. It's the way God interacts with us. It's the way we're meant to interact. That's why it's so important. When we walked in, we had more people than we know. Say, hey, glad you're here. Glad you're, there's something that happens when that takes place. It's called joy. It's like, wow, I'm kind of glad I came today. I think, I think maybe they're telling the truth. They're glad that I'm here, here today. There's called joy. Now, here's the little secret. Joy is, uh, it's like the secret sauce to live in a powerful life. I'm just sort of learning this. But there, in our brains, when we experience that joy I just described, we are far less likely to give ourselves to lesser things. It's, a, it's an addiction killer. Another Bible word, it's an idolatry killer. 
You see, Jesus wants to be the source of joy. There's a, in Nehemiah, the joy of the Lord is your strength. It makes you strong. So listen, it doesn't get much more complicated than this. If you find that you are losing joy, get still. Go, I have got to correct this joy leak. Something is, because if I don't correct it, I'm going to get weaker and weaker, and I'll be more and more vulnerable to whatever it is you run to. We all have the things we run to. And so here's what I know about addiction. Um, Heroin addiction will take you down quick. Alcohol addiction will take you down quick. All addiction serves to separate you from and to isolate. And guess what happens when you separate from and isolate? Your sources of joy begin to dry up. And when your sources of joy dry up, you're even more prone to those things because all you want to do is just escape, get a little relief, take the edge off, whatever those things are. Eventually, those things that you use will end up using you. That's the way sin is. It's the way it works. We live in a world that humanity gave to the enemy. Jesus came and took it back. And we're in the middle of it all being restored to the way it's meant to be. In the meantime, you got to fight for peace to stay still. Be ruthless in living full of joy. Oh, the joy of the Lord is your strength. I see what we do at Mino is really church. Somebody asked me, so are you pastoring now? And I go, that's a complicated question. And the answer is yes. It's just that my congregation's a little different these days. Um, See, most of us, I, I don't know your stories, um, but I, I'm no different than the guy who comes into our, our program at Mino struggling with heroin or whatever. Uh, my struggle isn't with that. I got my own little sins that I, I deal with. Uh, heroin's a fast track to the bottom. A lot of us, if we don't deal with our sin, we're just slow stepping to the bottom. But believe me, it's to the bottom. The enemy wants to kill, steal, and destroy. And he does everything he can to convince us that falling in the ground and dying is a bad idea. And that you being king of your own little kingdom is a way better idea than being a part of that big kingdom that you have no control over. Um, it's better to stay hidden and cloaked, then open and exposed. Uh, what I want to leave with is the enemy's a liar. Scripture is true. Follow the, follow the science. You'll find Scripture is true. Uh, and the joy of the Lord really is your strength. So why don't we, can you stand up and pray with me? Um,
before we pray, I, um, I'm supposed to, I always forget to do this part, which is we are looking for partners. Uh, just like you're looking for partners. And I believe that whenever I'm asked to go speak and talk about what God is doing through me know or through my life, I'm to say yes. Uh, whether I think I can do it well or not, I'm just to say yes. And if God is stirring in any of you uh, a desire to uh, come alongside, uh, we, we, have, we have short-term uh, mission opportunities. We had, we, had, we had a small group of guys out yesterday uh, helping us at the sawmill and working alongside. So we have opportunities like that. We, you know, we, uh, we're looking for partners. And so um, I'm trusting that God will, will speak to your hearts and uh, that, you know, friendships will develop and grow and um, the kingdom of God will be expanded. So let, let's pray. Jesus, I thank you for this this church body here, this transformation church family. I thank you for what you're doing in this place. Lord, I thank you for each life here and for each, each uh, group of relationships represented by each person here in this, in this space right now. Lord, I pray that, that you would uh, protect each one of us from the, uh, the intent of the enemy, and instead, God, you would cause your joy to be our strength. I pray, God, that we would leave out of this place today knowing that we know that we know that God likes it when I come to him. <clears throat> he smiles when I come into his presence. And Lord, I pray that that joy would begin to permeate in our hearts and our spirits. And Lord, that it would be something that would give us strength to the point where we would find ourselves not worried or anxious about whatever the world might throw at us. Because we know at the bottom of our heart and at the end of the day that the creator of the universe likes me. He's for me. He's not against me. And whatever I need, whatever I ask, because I'm a Mino person, because I abide in him and remain in him, I find that I, find that I want what he wants. And so I ask him and he gives it to me pray, God, that we would know that we know that we serve a God who speaks in the middle of storms and at the end of the day brings quiet and calm. Lord, I thank you, uh, too, just for the opportunity to be standing right here, right now. I'm thankful that your kingdom is an expanding kingdom that knows no end. I thank you that you're the God who takes words spoken and turns them into something more than they are. So Holy Spirit, I pray that the, the time we've had together today would bear much fruit and that if anything said needs to be forgotten, that it would be. And that Lord, we would, we would find our way partnering together to see you glorified. I pray it, Lord, in your name. Amen. Thanks for streaming this audio from Transformation Church RVA located in Richmond, Virginia. For more information, check out our website at www.transformationrva.com.